it was sunset and like way off because you can see so far out there and like way off probably like two or three miles there was like two horses like Mm. jet black i'm assuming wild horses out there that like were just running and slowly like intersected the road but Uh. over the course of like 10 minutes you know and then like they finally crossed that like 200 meters in front i was just like dude you can't like you can't bottle that feeling it's just like yeah that was uh that was a good one for sure it's showtime everybody showtime you've been living in a dream world neo this is the world as it exists today life moves pretty fast you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it talking about practice he peed on the dude's rug donnie you're out of your element i see you think this has nothing to do with you don't ever trash talk black jesus this is the adventure stash with pace and mccalvin hello everyone welcome back to the show i'm recording this from the north woods of wisconsin the day after lifetime grand prix number five schwamigan 40 it went great for me finished fourth, landed on the podium. I'm so happy to be back at the front of these races. It's been a very long road to get back to where I want to be uh, after a challenging spring with the big crash and a few other things going on. Uh, But it was a really, really exciting edition of one of my favorite races. 14 up sprint for the win. Wild. I'll be recapping that with Betsy Welsh for our Grand Prix 5 recap episode next week along with ellen campbell's help so stay tuned for that but first we have a really special conversation with lachlan morton predominantly about his recent tour divide record absolutely smashed the record but we don't actually talk about the record or going fast that much lachlan is a little bit more of an introspective person a lot of the time and uh, i really you know relish the opportunity to talk to him about um, you know some of the the finer points the more cerebral points of his career the trajectory of his career what it's like to do these big bikepacking efforts especially jammed in the middle of a hectic Grand Prix schedule um, we just sat outside of his hotel here in Hayward Wisconsin and threw back a couple Coors banquets um, and just kind of reflected um, I really appreciate him giving us this time he mentioned before recording that he's not planning to do really many other interviews about this because he wants his headspace and time to process what it all was uh so that makes me even more grateful that he was willing to give us this time um so sit back enjoy this is one i really enjoyed and i think it's a special one i want to say a big thank you to off-piste provisions for supporting today's episode this is a company out of new zealand that makes vegan jerky uh, it's packed with protein, 22 grams per packet. In fact, it's gluten-free, soy-free, vegan-friendly, 45% protein, great iron source. I was a little bit skeptical, I'll be honest at first, because I grew up on very nice Central Texas beef jerky, which I, to this day, love very much. But it's no secret that the meat industry is quite hard on the environment, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, or not. There's certainly something to be said for cutting back on meat. Um, And off-piste is an awesome way to do that. Just an absolutely stellar snack. Three great flavors, original, sweet, and hot, uh, and teriyaki. Uh, We have an awesome discount code. You can get 30% off with code 30ADVENTURE at checkout when you go to their website or uh, at the Amazon link in the notes below this episode. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you after the show. We're in Hayward, Wisconsin. Yeah, of all places. <laughs> um, you've seen a lot of states last few days. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of want to hear about how you're feeling physically, of course, eventually. But the thing that when I was thinking, because I knew you were going to show up. <laughs> I know how you roll. <laughs> I yeah. knew you were going to be on the start line. Um, and when I thought about it, I was like, I wonder because I was trying to put myself in your shoes and the thing that I think would maybe be weirdest or, or maybe even hardest is just mentally like the culture shock. Yeah. Um, 
so I'm curious what it was like lining up at Schwamigan today and just mentally like how you were grappling with last week versus this week <laughs> yeah I mean like I'd, I had it in the back of my mind I always wanted to come and do this um because mainly out of respect for the lifetime competition mm -hmm. like um I really want to see this like event succeed and so like I feel like if you're lucky enough to to get a start in this series it's kind of like if you can get to the start you should um so that was like in the back of my head I always knew it was going to be a struggle like <laughs> physically and then when I woke up like Monday morning I was in such a state that I was like oh god like I've got to like get home unpack repack get on another plane and like go and try and race against a bunch of guys who were like absolutely you know foaming <laughs> peaks and primed ready to be here and also like of all the events it's like it's two hours flat out like you there's no way to like hide uh, if you do, if you like off your game in that first like 15 minutes it's like race over so um i don't know it was it was definitely a tough turnaround and like it's one of the few times i've finished a ride like that and i had no desire to ride this week like, really interesting yeah. yeah um like i got home and like i went to a concert at red rocks and was just like ah oh, sweet like back into real world you know and and then it was like oh i need to actually like get out on a few spins and get the body moving and it was a chore you yeah. know uh and it wasn't until yesterday i was like all right i need to get out and ride and i got out in the woods here and rode for four or five hours and was like okay like i've got the desire back like let's go race right. that's cool yeah i forgot i saw that post about the concert too what was that like oh just it was, culture shock wise it was crazy it was also like it was a flume concert so it's just like oh, damn. intense bass <laughs> heavy and there's just like <laughs> you know thousands of people just heaving um so it was like yeah zero to a hundred um which was probably a good thing just like total immersion because <laughs> um, the weird thing is it's like it's like almost two weeks long and you don't really talk with anyone you know like just like conversationally like you just don't really talk like i'd call my wife you know probably twice every day but even then you're sort of so in it that you're not really even present you know having conversations so that's the weirdest one it's just like adjusting to just like interacting with people again <laughs> but it was easier mentally i would say like normally after an ultra i get this weird thing and I, i've spoken with a lot of people about it where they're like for the the nights afterwards you kind of wake up in the night thinking you're still like got to get going mm. um but because i had like a set sleep thing that i had to stick to i didn't have any of that you know yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. which made it a lot easier like i slept super well this week was very relaxed so um yeah came out of it okay yeah 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 <laughs> um you seem like a pretty chill guy with like good perspective that isn't necessarily judging people too much frequently i mean that's a total projection but that's just kind of the sense i get but at the same time um with the few like really ultra distance things i've done sometimes when you're when you're finished it is this weird like prolonged meditation phase yeah and then you go back to the real world and i found myself having trouble not kind of judging the world around me in a way <laughs> sure like you see different people going about their daily tasks and sometimes i just think like man i wish you could just like go do something super hard for a while right yeah do yeah. you find yourself feel like yeah. when you're at that concert did you was there anything going on like that yeah no i mean there's no like um i kind of feel lucky to be able to go and do these things yeah. so like that like i guess shift in perspective I just take it as a positive thing to be like, oh, well, I'm just like stoked to be in like dry clothes here, you know, with like nothing I have to go and do that's arduous and like just kind of like float in that state for myself, you know, because like doing something like that, um, it's like it's a choice, you know, and it's not so much that like, it's something you wish more people would take on just so they could have that feeling for themselves. 
um, but ultimately it's like everyone's everyone's choice and what they go and do you know um, but it's more a sense of like I feel lucky that I'm like okay I've got this like thing I go and do or like occasionally go and do where I, I can have this like you know renewed perspective on like how good and easygoing life generally is <laughs> yeah so I didn't really expect to dive into this part already but you before we started recording you um we're talking about just what a grind these things are yeah and I think that's one thing that um often like isn't talked about enough or is overlooked is just how glorified bikepacking gets especially when I should say bikepacking when you're trying to go fast yeah um you you posted one thing at some point i forget how you worded it but you talked about like this balance of not became not becoming a victim of the effort or yeah. like becoming a victim of the the difficulty yeah but i also know that like that's it's almost like a thing you have to keep coming back to like you'll oscillate away from it because the, the difficulty can just become overwhelming exactly and like you you just become a victim at some point yeah and you have to like pull yourself out of it yeah um do like do you feel like you're getting better at that like how much time did you spend yeah. feeling like a victim versus able to have perspective yeah i I'm, i've gotten a lot better at that and it's all about just like managing your emotion and then coming back to the fact that it's your choice to be out there doing it um but there's definitely like when I was in Wyoming just getting hammered by the weather I just like latched onto this thing that it was like this one storm because I was just like in this weather front that was like literally just like following me <laughs> you know and, and anytime I get into something slow it would just blow back in and it was like there was like definitely six or eight hours there where I was just like feeling like a victim of this Storm, the storm you know as if it was out there just to get <laughs> yeah, me like yeah, yeah. i was like why is it like trying to make my life so hard right now you know and then you like eventually come back to the fact that you're just like dude it's just weather yeah, <laughs> you, yeah know? Totally. Like, you could st <laughs> you could stop now for six hours it'll probably pass but like it's your choice to keep pushing on just in this shitty weather so yeah, like the storm is following me actually i'm just riding and staying in the you storm know, exactly <laughs> just for like a few days <laughs> so um yeah I, i've gotten much better at like shifting that that mentality quickly but it's not something i don't think you could ever master you know because like when you're pushing so hard and scraping the barrel that's when you get down to like there's a lot of negative thoughts and that that can really like come in you know and it's about trying to shift that and like come back a lot of steps instead of being like oh, i'm trying to get to this point which is 80 miles away so I can like get food and that and you're like 80 miles damn it's so far and if you slowly come back and back to like all right next hill you know and then stop look around you're like it is pretty beautiful out here yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and yeah. you're like right now I am okay so like that's kind of how I manage it um but it's a constant battle because every single time you like manage to overcome it and shift it to a positive there's like this this thing in your head you're like oh we're fine now mm. yeah yeah and after this it's gonna be fine yeah, forever exactly and then you turn left and it's block headwind and you're like ah oh, <laughs> like shifted that quick you know like so it's yeah you gotta be present that like when it's bad it always passes and then when it's good like that's just your time to prepare for when it gets bad again <laughs> you yeah, know fair, fair. <laughs> interesting do you feel like you're able to learn anything in those moments or do you have to kind of synthesize it for a while after? Because you um, mentioned before we started recording, you said you didn't want to do much media post ride yeah. just because you need to have time to work it out in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I think anything that's that long to like process it in its entirety and like how you feel about the whole thing, um, how you handled it the way you wish you'd gone about things differently or even just like honing in on what the realities of it were and like the 
because it's it's very easy to like you know i think especially now like with social media and stuff like it's so um like you look at something it's hard and epic and there's it's like so glorified Mm -hmm. that it's easy to forget what it actually meant in the moment and a lot of the time in the moment it's it's just ugly you know like you're cold your whole body hurts and you're like just want out um so i just wanted like time to 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 realize what it is um i think the immediate takeaways are always like it's surprising how much you can endure and like kind of hold out in those hard moments when you're when you're focused and when you like you want something um and when you make that decision in your head like i'm gonna do it um that's like something that will always surprise me because there was definitely a handful of moments um where i know like without the experiences i've had i would have quit 100 percent of the time you know um like and i was there was a few moments that like if i'd had the option to quit um i would have but this I was, time this time yeah but i was i was too cold and there was no other option other than to keep moving at that point like that was my only like way to like because if i stopped the situation would just be worse um so realizing that like oh wow there was like you know a handful of five five minute periods where i would have just thrown it in if there was an option to quit but there wasn't and then you come out the other side and you're like holy shit man like you just did that you know and like yeah it makes your tolerance like i forget who said it but i always use this analogy like your tolerance is like a body of water like the more you do these things like you're just rather than like having a bathtub where the water can get upset really easily and like splash all over the place. Like your body of water like gradually turns into the ocean. Yeah, right. You know? I like that. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's also like, I'm not like some hardcore, like I I don't feel like I'm like more tough or resilient than the next person. It's just more like the decision in deciding what what you want. And if it means enough to you, you kind of find a way. Mm. Um, which I think is, that's an important realization, you know, because I know there are there are like some, you know, hardcore people out there who like do crazy things and and they have that ability to just dig and like you know, lean into all that. And that's not me. Um, so yeah, I'm always surprised when like I'm sure some people are rolling their eyes. Right now. <laughs> no, no, but it's luck. not like it's just like, <laughs> you know, you feel it the same way as anyone else. It's just yeah. like your purpose is kind of great enough that you're like, all right, I want that more than this discomfort, if that makes sense. Yeah, so those moments, those couple of moments where you wanted to quit, was it mostly cold-related? Definitely, yeah. 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 It's crazy. I've only been super, super cold maybe once or twice, but it is like a near panic feeling. It's almost like claustrophobic. Totally. Yeah, Yeah. I had that like... uh, three times where i was like you know soaked through it was just above freezing and continuing to rain and no matter how hard i pushed like my body temperature was coming down and the last step was like all right i only have like a dry sleeping bag and it was like if i could strip off and get in it but then i knew i knew my hands were too numb to work the zippers on anything like i couldn't open anything so i was like i won't be able to do that quick enough so i just have to move 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 um where was that uh the first the first time was um coming out of no in both times in wyoming um but you do this pass uh union pass after the love mountain lodge and um the weather was supposed to have cleared but i got like these four rainstorms in a row like on this really high plateau and it was just as the sun was going down and i was managing like my pace well enough that i was like okay i'm generating enough heat i'm good here i'm gonna drop down and then just before i dropped down like 
the mother of all storms came. Like, and I could see it coming because it was just dark and I could see like this like dark thing rolling over the hill. When it blends with night. And then like the, the lightning started and I was on this like kind of exposed section and I could see on my Wahoo that like the, I was going to head down, but like I basically linked up with the storm as I hit this descent and then was stuck in it. And instead of like, I was so panicked because I'm really scared of lightning um, and I just wanted to be out, but I should have just stopped and like lay down where I was. Um, but instead I was panicked and I kept moving with the storm down this hill and the lightning was just striking like the trees that were like directly next to me and I could like see the trunks light up no you know? way and Fuck. just like it felt like every 10 seconds it was just like boom 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 and I'm so like like I said I have like that's what my biggest phobia is lightning and I was just like I was just like yelling out to like stop myself from crying basically I was just yelling out like ah <laughs> like, let me go and I was like headed down this hill and in the process of doing that got completely soaked and couldn't stop and then because like you know there was so much lightning I just like continued on and then when the storm finally passed it had dropped like significant temperature then I had like 70 k's or so to to get to the the town I was hoping to get to and then like once that adrenaline wore off I was like holy shit I'm so cold um and the only thing that saved me that like I actually stopped thinking like all right I need to get the sleeping bag out I'm gonna get under this tree and just like get in it but like I said my hands were so numb I couldn't work any zips so I was like I gotta move and the thing that saved me there was the storm like whipped up a huge tailwind oh interesting yeah so like I could get moving and like get speed back and then like you know once I like pedaled like as hard as I could, which at that point was probably like 250 watts, <laughs> like, actually. And I, I like held it there for like 45 minutes and generated enough heat to be like, okay, I can get out of this. Um, and then the next day, similar thing happened heading into the basin. Um, and, but it was colder. Like there was just this, it was just above freezing rain was coming sideways and just as I started to get cold there was like one car came past on this like random road and they could see like the conditions and like obviously the state I looked and they were like put down the window and they were like are you okay do you need help and I was just like I had that moment of like I should probably get in that car yeah and I was like no I'm fine really and I remember as I said it I was like idiot (laughs) that was i think you're going to regret that like pretty soon and 15 minutes later i was like full shivers like okay any like couldn't find because there's like nothing out there i was like there's no shelter and i like zoomed out on the map and i could see we hit like a highway for like two or three miles and i was like i just got to get to a highway at least then if i'm as bad as i am now i can flag someone down or like and when I got there, there was like a rest stop, which was just like, no way. without that rest stop, I would have been Oasis. done. You know, I would have yeah. like had to flag down the car and get in and been like, I need out. Um, and got in there, stripped everything off. Like there was a hairdryer and just like basically got naked and just like put everything in the hairdryer and like had to like sit there for over an hour, I think, just to dry everything and like get myself together to go again. Um, but yeah those two moments in particular I had another like couple of close ones to that but those ones were where I was like alright this is do or die <laughs> really wow. Yeah. Wow. did you have anyone walk into that bathroom as oh, you were heaps of people like yeah. cause like there were a bunch of motorbike riders who were all also like kind of doing the same thing oh, wow. cause so they, they were, were just like just wow fucked. this weather's like insane interesting but then they looked at me and they were like oh, <laughs> you can have the hair dryer <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly they're just like what are you doing <laughs> and I was like no it's important I keep moving <laughs> so yeah. did it feel like those cold moments were the 
biggest challenge of the whole ride and yeah yeah for me like that that was hard to deal with um like in the the last part when my derailleur stopped working yeah that was also pretty challenging like mentally to be like okay i'm like inside the last thousand k and then now there's this other thing so like physically that hurt a lot (laughs) you know but um those that was kind of like all right well worst case scenario is like i'm gonna kick the derailleur down to the 50 and just spin it in you know (laughs) but i I was just like at that point i was like no leave it in the big gear (laughs) like gotta gotta go fast did you leave it in the 10 i I basically i worked out a system where like i pushed like a spoke in there yeah and because like you can kind of tension it Mm. and so like with the nipple it was like you know in the 11 i think and then i could shift it down to the 12 and then if i pulled it out it went down two more but like you do that manually you know but um yeah i could do that or then when it was really steep i would just basically like kind of ride and kick the derailleur like all the way up the cassette yeah yeah. and then when i get to the top just like manually like lever it back um that yeah that was like that was hard because Mainly just because you were like, like I said, you had that feeling of you're like, oh, I'm there now. You know, like body feels good. I can like crank this last yeah. bit. And then right when you feel like that, you're like, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> like That's pretty much just got so the bike packing experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, one thing I'm curious about. So I think one of the, the one, one of the things that I have enjoyed most about these rides of yours and also the fact that you're combining the grand prix with one or two of these a year yeah um i've just been so impressed with your ability to do both well because i think there's a handful of folks who we race with or folks that have um raced at, at a high level other on the road or whatever and they feel like they can just kind of drop in and because they've done big watts in their previous life like they can <laughs> just go smash these things it doesn't work like that (laughs) there's like a skill component obviously but the thing that i i think i'm starting to pick up on is just like the engines are different in a way right and i remember when i heard well talking about just chugging gallons of milk and ice cream and stuff (laughs) i was like you realize that's a terrible idea but i think there's like potentially a fat metabolism aspect going on for some of these riders yeah and so Actually, fellow fellow Aussie of yours, Emma Flukes, who lives down in Tassie, who's a bike packer, I was talking to her about this, and she was basically making fun of how much I eat while riding. <laughs> right. Because, like, when we're doing Schwam again this weekend or whatever, well, maybe less Schwam again because it's so short, but, like, Unbound, whatever, you're just stuffing your face with sugar. Yeah. Like, if you're doing it right, you have to be yeah. taking in so much carbs per hour. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that it seems like you're able to kind of, like, flip a switch between these two things. Yeah. And when you talk about how cold you were getting, I'm just thinking about like as an athlete that's tuned to go super fast still as you are. Yeah. Um, and like the fueling requirements of that. It's amazing to me that like you're able to handle this totally different effort almost from like a metabolic standpoint. Yeah. and But you feel it switch. Do you? Yeah. Like I knew I was not going to be conditioned for this ride because mm-hmm. I didn't have the time to prepare for it you know it was like basically steamboat and then i went home for a few days to like pack my stuff and then drove up to do it so the first day you're like oh yeah great like knock out 12 hours cranking along like i feel good and you wake up and you're like whoa that took a huge toll on my body and i'm sore and basically i've realized that you get worse for three days Mm. while your body kind of accepts like what it is and then from there you kind of step in and that metabolism does change um but still i would like fuel i don't know if it's more than what regular people would but like i I was eating a lot out there and like made sure that i had like heaps of space in my bags to like have like excess amount of food um because you do just have to like eat such insane amounts on those things yeah um but there is definitely 
uh, a switch that happens as you do those things. And I mean, in an ideal world, you would make that switch before you started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because like it does suck. Like especially, it's always the third day. Mm. Your muscles are just so sore, you know, yeah. and you get super swollen and like your body's just like fighting everything you're doing. And then eventually it's like it has an acceptance (laughs) and you're like, okay, I'm getting better. And the sleep definitely helped speed that up. Mm. Like I could feel like having a proper sleep that I was like, oh, your body's actually having a chance to adapt, you know, Um, which, yeah, sped up that process for sure. Um, But then, yeah, it's like you can feel that even switching over to like a race like today where it's like, I was never like, like I could hear other people breathing and I was like, oh, I'm just like still chilling like aerobically, but like my legs just hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <know>? totally, totally. <laughs> Like so yeah. that switch was, yeah, two hours wasn't enough to make that switch. Today. <laughs> I hear that, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I felt really bad for Ted with his ride because mm-hmm. he ended up getting rhabdo. Right. And I remember just thinking like this isn't really your fault. Like you, sure. uh, he's been trying to come back, you know, to gravel racing for a couple of years now after all of his injuries. And I'm sure he's just been riding really hard. Yeah. And probably in the first day or two of his divide, just probably rode way too hard. Yeah. I would bet. Yeah. And it's like, it's hard to keep a lid on it. Exactly. Cause you think you're going easy. You think you're going easy and you're excited. And I normally never take a, like a power meter in Mm. these things, but I used one, for that reason interesting not because it was, it was basically just for the first like two days to be like you need to keep a lid on it yeah. a bit because like you feel good you're fresh you've ridden for a few days yeah. and you're excited you know yeah. um so you can absolutely just <laughs> trash yourself you know it's hilarious how low like that number actually is that's sustainable from yeah. the multi-day thing did you have a number or were you just sort of like no i would just out? be like in the start i was like just just don't go over like 300 watts yeah you know um which like sounds like oh yeah, you'd be pushing but when you got a loaded bike and you're like oh, i'll just boost up this hill you know if you boost up there and you're like you do that like 30 times you know then you're like oh wow like now i'm just useless yeah you know Um, that's what fucked me on the colorado trail is like having that mountain biker ego of wanting to ride everything exactly and you don't realize that it's just like that trail is so hard it's just an automatic 400 watts yeah like all the time and you just like constantly got to weigh things up yeah you know you're like all right if i can ride this then it's only going to require this much effort you know, and it's probably going to save me a whole bunch of fuck around. Plus, it's going to feel good mentally. You know, you're like, all right, take that. Yeah. But if you're like, I'm going to ride this, it's going to be a struggle. Probably going to get up halfway <laughs> anyway. Like, yeah. like, just get off, walk it. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Did you have any moments where you got behind on calories and just like got bonked out of your skull? Yeah. On the, the day after Whitefish. So like I had this really cold, wet day day two or three i think it must have been day three and um i was still kind of fresh enough to push hard and to to stay warm i like probably pushed harder than i should have that day but because i was getting up so early uh, because i got to town at like eight or something so i was going to get going at like two in the morning i was like everything will be closed i need to resupply for the next 150 miles like tonight But I was, I was like cold and wet doing it. So I like kind of rushed it and I was like, yeah, yeah, that'll be enough. And then just like underestimated, you know, how much I needed. And I ran out for like um, probably like 60 miles. And I was like, I knew I could make it. I wasn't panicked, but um, that like took a toll to like ride on fumes for that, that long. Yeah. It like takes you a while to come back from that. Um, and you kind of don't really ever get back to topping off until you like stop and sleep um so that was the only time and from then on like there's some long stretches between resupply um but i never even like the longest stretch i think is probably uh down there the push into silver city and I still had like a comical amount of food when I got to Silver <laughs> City. I was just like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Because um, basically my like strategy was if I was like 
kind of like tired trying to resupply. I was like, make sure you've got like one king size candy bar for every hour, mm-hmm. at least as a minimum, you know? Yep. And I'd yep. kind of like top that off. And then if I wanted, you know, this or that, because I was craving, I'd like get more. But I was like, at least if I got that, I can like function well on that, yeah. you know? Were you brushing your teeth on the bike? Because uh, I always think about that. With not on stuff. the bike. I never get that. You're just like, how much time are you really saving? <laughs> yeah, you know? true, Because it's like true. this, the 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 pocket that I had it in. It's kind of hard to get to. Yeah. And you're like, no, I just do it like when I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. Like, yeah. I just uh, I saw some video of Courtney DeWalter during UTMB last week. Yeah, she does it all the time. Dude, she brushed her teeth like six times yeah. during the race. It's and, crazy. And whenever she goes past the stream, she like washes oh, wow. her face huh. and like. And I was like, oh, there's a lot to that because mm. if you feel like fresh, like I would try and wash my kit whenever I could, um, and to like even just like a hand wash, like it felt so good to like put something fresh on, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I get that for sure. Yeah. Any super memorable high points where you were just like singing, you know, <laughs> or, ju- or just like, this is so, you know, those yeah. moments when you just have to say it out loud about how amazing it is? Yeah. There's like this, uh, this pass as you cross from um, Montana down into Idaho. I think it's called Red Rocks Pass. Uh, and that whole part of, the states was new to me Mm. and there was just like it'd been a big day i'd done like ridden into a lot of headwind but it just like calmed down just before sunset and like the light was just like ridiculous in there you know like shining off all these like red rock walls and i knew it was like a a downhill kind of like roll to town and i'd managed to like book somewhere there like right on route so i was like i'm gonna roll down i'm gonna have a hot shower like this is epic um that was one and then coming out of the basin once i'd come through all the mud and like there was a period that day when like it was so muddy and like my bike was just like so clogged full of mud that i was like i'm gonna just have to sleep out here but i was like just just walk for like just walk until it gets a little bit better and then decide, you know? Yeah. I was like, I'll walk like, uh, I was like, walk 2Ks. I could kind of see this hill. I was like, just walk to there and then, you know, just take stock. And I, and I walked that section and there was like, the road started to dry and there was a river there and I could like wash my bike out and I would like, it was like, hell yeah. yeah. You know, like <laughs> I'm going to make it. And it was like this big, long, straight, very slight downhill where when you're on a loaded bike you can like get that thing cranking yeah and it was sunset again and like way off because you can see so far out there and like way off probably like two or three miles there was like two horses like Mm. jet black i'm assuming wild horses out there that like were just running and slowly like intersected no way. the road but oh, wow. over the course of like 10 minutes oh. you know and then like they finally crossed them like 200 meters in front yeah. and it was like they they knew i was there because they crossed the road then they turned around and just like looked and i was just like yeah. dude you can't like you know you can't bottle that feeling it's just like yeah. so especially after such a hard day you feel like you've got a break and yeah that was uh that was a good one for sure do you ever think about because I know you're still super motivated by chasing results mm-hmm. um, and you've had big results in your day for yeah. sure. Um, do you ever think about kind of comparing those two peak experiences on the bike? Like the the feeling of winning a race that you've been working towards and dreaming about and then something like you just described? Yeah, it's um, it's different. You know, I would say the feeling like those feelings that you have um on a trip like that definitely like outweigh any win that you could have you know um because like a win is so quick yeah um and like as athletes i feel like the first thing you do when you win is you're like okay now i can win something else you know like because you like kind of have this 
you know self-affirmation of like okay i'm capable of it and it moves through quickly as opposed to like a moment that happens like that out of the blue um and suddenly you just brought like totally into the present and it's this weird feeling of like it's only come about because of everything you've endured prior to that but you're so just thankful for that like that moment of reprieve that i don't know they just they just stick more you know um because you know i love like i said I, i i like chasing results and i love that side of of cycling um but you know that's such a thin slither of the the whole experience you can have and i think i've realized that you know the the idea of chasing i think i love the chase even more than the result yeah you know like yeah. that idea of like trying to put all the pieces together the project exactly yeah and then you get to go out there and and but it's very rare that you have a moment like that during a race you it's know true. like on the way to doing it like yeah. i have had them here and there but not not often um so yeah very different different experiences yeah it almost to me it almost feels like sometimes it's like being given something versus like taking something right yeah yeah yeah, exactly that's a great way to put it yeah um let's talk about well actually we people are going to be curious um before we tie up true divide stuff uh Mm -hmm. what just totally fell apart on your body what was just like oh man this is absolutely killing me um i had issues with my feet uh which is like pretty common one for me i don't know what uh i just got sensitive little baby feet (laughs) (laughs) but yeah just like i had uh issues with just like having wet feet for a long time so i would get like almost like the start of like a trench foot Mm. um and if i wasn't stopping each night for a prolonged period that would have been much more of a problem um and in the end i just like had to cut like a big section in the inner soles I, I i mean i made the mistake of like i wanted to run like a stiffer um of like the shoes that yep. i have um because i was like it's just a lot of pedaling but i was like i'm gonna run i put like hocker soles in them because i was like oh they're mm. super soft that'll be like a nice middle ground but they just held a bunch of moisture so it was a bad call um but yeah in the end i just like cut a big section out of those so like my the the bit that was giving me the most issue was like my big big toe and like that kind of zone where you're really pushing on your foot so i just cut that section out of the the sole and gave a bit more room that helped a lot um some solid saddle sores yeah not like i didn't have any saddle sores but just like chafe yeah um so like basically the last um the last like five days i was just like I bought like a pair of socks from a gas station and I just put like my junk inside of a sock. No way. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Because there was so much chafe there no that like way. that was like the best way to just stop anything from rubbing. No um, way. That's and it worked so like awesome. it worked like a tr- charm. But that's um, hilarious. That's like they use those in movies for like nude scenes. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what they're called. But uh, it was just like <laughs> it was like a light bulb moment. I was at like the checkout, like with a bunch of food and I was like, oh, socks and i was just like running my head i was like i think that'll work dude that is a hack and a half (laughs) yeah so i did that uh and then hands not like like basically after they got cold and then the combination of that with just like the vibration you get on the bars um they just like stopped working very well Mm -hmm. so i was having a lot of trouble i feel like like, that's super common dexterity just dexterity and then just the strength so Mm -hmm. like there'd be like things i'd be like struggling to open or like zips were just like the like my enemy dude i just couldn't get them um but yeah they were like the main the main things uh and then once i started like single speeding that last bit my knees mm, <laughs> were like, I can't <laughs> it was just like felt like they were gonna pop out of their skin Unreal. um but no nothing like i never had like uh anything that made me like fully stop due to that one thing yeah. you know do you ever think about the health component of 
yeah of all this does that bother you at all um yeah i thought about it quite a bit during this and i was like i can't imagine doing this on less sleep Mm. um and the thing that surprised me the most about the sleep component because i wanted to do it mainly for mental clarity yeah right um because i've been sleep deprived enough in my life and i know that one makes the experience like less enjoyable but two you just like decision making you know even just like your like gross motors like there's a whole bunch of things that happen that um the last few times i've done it, i've been like this is not good for my health you know like there's something happening in my brain here that you know is not right um but the thing that surprised me was that i was getting enough sleep that the body was like actually recovering yeah and that was um definitely like an unexpected bonus of that but i think also like health wise i think that was like a game changer you know because it's like much less just breakdown um but I mean, I think that like just surviving that long on gas station food, yeah. probably, that's probably the biggest like health impact yeah, I would yeah, imagine, yeah. you know? No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically for, for those that don't know, you committed to sleeping, uh, 12 out of every 48 hours. Was yeah. That it? Yeah. <laughs> Which in the end I just did six a night. Yeah. Um, and that was like perfect you know it was probably ended up being more like five and a half i would say average between like messing around doing things um but that was like definitely a sweet spot which there was one night it was after my derailleur had stopped working and i'd spent like half an hour trying to like reset it and do a bunch of things so i lost half an hour and the next day i immediately noticed it Mm. and i like stopped on the side of the road and just slept for 15 minutes Mm. and that just like brought everything right back oh wow um but yeah it was also just like it changed the mentality a lot because you're like ah sweet i'm just gonna push and either way i have to stop you know there's not like that feeling of like i could do more Ah, am i really tired you're just like no no i have to so like you know you'd be like i'm gonna find somewhere nice to sleep and just like (laughs) you know change change that yeah yeah um so you did this faster than anyone has so far um how and i know that to an extent that's just a bonus like a big motivation was just seeing yeah seeing the route but you're a racer like in in those last you know handful of hours were you able to kind of uh i don't know give your give yourself some appreciation about doing it fast or was it just totally an afterthought yeah no i mean like the way i was approaching it always was like okay i'm i'm going fast you know like each day you're trying to like optimize like how much time you spend stopped all that kind of thing with the idea of like i want to take as little time as possible Mm. um but i honestly i didn't think beforehand it would be possible to go faster than um, whatever it was, 13, 13 and a half days really? or whatever. No, I didn't. How come? Uh, I just thought that like stopping for that long mm. each day um, would enable you to do that. Yeah. Um, but I was like, no, I was I was happy with the fact that I'd gone about it the way I wanted to and had stuck to it yep. and had managed to go fast and do it in a way where I was like, I kind of felt good. Mm. you know um that was kind of like the like that was the overwhelming feeling i had i was like ah sweet i I managed to do this the way i wanted to and go fast um and yeah i mean like by the time you get to the last basically past silver city you're just like i want to get there now just barn running yeah yeah i feel like anyone Anyone who says otherwise is either like more enlightened than me or like, but it's pretty hard. The last bit you're on a hundred mile, like straight stretch of paved road mm. um, that you're like, all right, the fun's out of this now. <laughs> like I need to get there, you know? 
What did you think of the route? Like, it's beautiful. How does it? If you had to compare it to some of the other ones you've done, yeah, it's very like. I mean, obviously it's long, <laughs> um, and it's amazing that they've put together a route that long. Yeah, that you stay on such like amazing, scenic, beautiful roads. Um, it's like. I would say it's not like super fun, engaging riding, you know? It's not like something like Colorado Trail where you're always on your toes, technically, like really focused in on what you're doing. There's definitely parts like that. Um, So in that regard, it's much more of like a meditation, I think, rather than just like a detachment kind of thing. So... um, and the fact that you're just in such beautiful scenic areas the whole way, it kind of lends itself to that. Um, but it's definitely a route that I think would be better done over six weeks or a month, you know? Yeah. Um, like, there's a lot of people I met touring the route who are just like, yeah, I think that's definitely the way to do it. Or like, you know, when the sun had come up, you'd see a couple of people camped, you know, side of the road making a coffee just oh, like yeah, slowly yeah. packing their stuff and you're like yeah i think that's probably that's probably the way to do it um but yeah i just think it's it's really cool that it exists you know and it's a route that's out there anyone can go jump on it and the people along the route are amazingly friendly and welcoming to cyclists they're used to bike packers coming through yeah. which makes like the world a difference yeah, you know yeah, um yeah. so and there's an appreciation for like how hard it is like undertaking mm-hmm. something like that so um yeah like definitely a, a ride i'd love to go and do again really yeah cool yeah yeah nice yeah it seemed like you you linked up with a decent number of people out there which is fun it's it's kind of crazy but we actually saw you in salida as oh, we were no way. yeah we were driving to gravel nationals in nebraska <laughs> right and I saw these three people riding and I was like, Oh, those are bike packers and then I saw the pink kid. Yeah. I was like, No fucking way. Yeah, there was these, these <laughs> the three. timing was crazy. <laughs> That's cool. I also <laughs> saw Howie. No way. In like uh Del Norte. Like <laughs> I rolled into the gas station and he was filling up his car. <laughs> I was like, What the hell? He's like, Yeah, I'm going to like go do Apex or something and I was like that's Whoa. hilarious it was blowing my mind too I was just like wow <laughs> am know? I really seeing yeah. Howie right now <laughs> yeah but also just like you're just going about like a normal day yeah just yeah, yeah, yeah. Apex. yeah. Um, that's hilarious but yeah yeah it was cool like people came out but it's so remote that like you don't see many people you yeah. know like I think I could count the, the number of people I rode with on two hands mm. um, but it was super nice when people did come and ride for a bit yeah mainly just to have a conversation yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah, just like yeah. pull you out of your own yeah. head for a bit yeah that's cool um we'll start wrapping this up but uh is that round the world still on your mind oh, do you think yeah. you'll keep doing one of these a year azt like what else yeah i mean i'm i'm like hesitant to jump into anything off the back of doing one um like uh, there's no idea i've had that um i'm like super attached to yeah so i will kind of wait for that to come um like i like the idea of i've had this idea of trying to link like the u.s race series by bike um which i think would be like that's something i'd like to do before i'm done yeah um but the i mean the round the world one I don't think I don't want to do it like as the current record is done. Yeah, um, with the full optimization. Yeah. Talking to Lale about that, apparently that guy spent like 600k yeah, to do it as fast so as he did. Yeah, it's so expensive. Yeah. Um, and obviously that like, we looked into it and I was just like, yeah, one it costs so much. So it's prohibitively expensive for like not anyone can just get right. up and go for that. Yeah. Um, so and anything supported i think um like i think it would just be very different and i'm not sure it would be like the kind of undertaking that for my personality would work that well um but it weirdly sounds more stressful to me yeah 
Yeah, I think so. And yeah. it just like removes so many things that keep your mind occupied yeah. that I think it would become very like very much like a pedal 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 yeah it's uh, just like all athletic rather than adventure as much yeah and I also think the roads you would have to take to cover mm, that amount of mm-hmm, distance mm-hmm. like wouldn't be as inspiring so um, I kind of got a back burner on that one yeah unless I find like a I mean the ultimate dream is to do like you know the kind of off-road around the world you know Ooh, no flights wow take like container ships Dude, <laughs> you know yes. it, it would take so long maybe that's the retirement lap yeah exactly <laughs> exactly i'm just like all right you might be done with the bike after that. <laughs> oh, that's cool yeah um one of my last curiosities is whether you feel any hesitancy about sending one of these big things when you're doing well in the Grand Prix? Because I know you do care about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I knew, like, doing that kind of... It puts a question mark on how you're going to ride, like, for the rest of the series. Um, but, I don't know. I think, like, if I was solely focused on just the, like, series and racing well... I'd probably crack on it anyway and might not ride as well. Um, So, like, and I also know that, like, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. And so I want to not do as many things, but, like, I want to do as many of the things that mean something to me uh, as I could. And the thing I realized with Divide was every, for the last few years, I've kind of, like, uh, it's just become too hard to fit it anywhere. Mm. And I was like, there's never going to be a good time. You know, like, and, you know, I can go and do it and, like, call it work for now. So, like, (laughs) it's time, you know. So, like, yeah, yeah, it was just, like, you know what, like, even because I did, like, uh, Leadville, Breck and Steamboat. And I was thinking during Steamboat, like, during the race, I was like, damn, I got to, like, I still haven't done any route research (laughs) (laughs) like i haven't packed i like there's probably still things i need to get and and i was just like is this too hard you know like why why do you feel the need to like go and do this other thing um but i'm so glad i did it you know like because yeah it's always tempting to just put things in the too hard basket but like i don't know it's a tough balance man to like putting pressure on those around you yeah because i'm sure you can relate to that having a close family being married all that sort of thing and then also like making the most of your time here yeah like that's a tightrope yeah exactly and like i don't know like the biggest the biggest consideration for me is just like all right i'm gonna spend a lot of time away from home like away from rachel my wife and it's like is she cool with it you know um and like i think she knew it meant a lot to me to go and do it um but you know like down the road it's like if you have kids you know and then there's so many other considerations that you're like i don't know while the opportunity's there and the people around you are into it like just take it i think for sure yeah yeah it's a bit cheesy but one of the little quotes that i keep in the back of my mind is if not now when <laughs> yeah but it's, it's kind of true man yeah you know and even like experiencing you know like these places while you're in like a physical condition to be able to push through these landscapes like you know at high speed with everything you need like it's such a sick feeling you know and like there'll be a point when like 200 miles will be way too long to ride you know and like maybe then i'll go and tour it but like yeah i just know that like it's a small window we have like as athletes and to to spend like five years just trying to win leadville (laughs) it's like your only thing yeah you know and then like you could flat out every other time you could like there's so many things that could happen that you'd be like man imagine what i could have done if i wasn't just singularly 
focused yeah. on one thing. Yeah. So I try and be mindful of that. Um, although, like, when, <laughs> when you're, like, half an hour into a race like today, you're like, why the fuck did you ride all the way across the country <laughs> last week? It's <laughs> so much harder than it needs to be. Dude, you were up there. I was amazed. You were up there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I was giving up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Um, I should check my phone, make sure there's nothing else that I have on mind. But one other uh, thing I had to ask you about, because um, being a, a fellow Coloradan at this point. Well, yeah. so, okay, rewinding quickly. I, I really appreciated your uh, your shout out after Keegan's ride at Leadville when you were, like, I think one of the only people that could have done that performance is SEP yeah and i totally agree and i actually i said that in a podcast yeah and my sister who edits these like edited it into a little video and then put it on social yeah and it was one of those reels that just like was a runaway train <laughs> oh, right. and dude i got lit up oh really people who were, did they say they were like oh keegan can't do shit again like any of those guys would show up to leadville and nah. like absolutely not nah. fuck him up don't believe it I agree. And I mean that's a whole other conversation. We we could do a whole podcast about how good <laughs> Keegan is, but we yeah. won't. Um but I'm curious about uh just your feelings about Sep, you know, being on the oh, cusp man. of winning the Vuelta. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, like I I honestly thought like the days where someone as nice as he is and like with the personality he has could win a grand tour with um you know um because having spent time around like those gc guys you know like they're pretty high strung yeah intense and often like very single focused people um and i respect it because it's like that's kind of what the job entails so to see someone who's like just a good dude, you know, yeah. knuckleback guy, kind of like reluctant champion. Oh, yeah. Like, and just let his ability shine through, you know, um, like on top of his personality and to do that and like beat all the best, you know, yeah. um, like it's amazing. It you is. Know? Like it is. beyond what I think, you know, it'll do for for cycling in the u.s road cycling i feel like it, it does need that boost but just on a personal level you know like i remember he he beat me when he was just like a kid like a mountain biker mm. at redlands there's like mm. this hilltop finish mm. and he like sprinted around me and i'd just come back from the world tour was on jelly belly mm. and like everyone was just like who is this this kid yeah. and he was just like this kid having fun riding his bike yeah, you know yeah. and it seems like that hasn't changed all the way through it's amazing yeah. yeah and it's like when he first went to europe there's so many people like ah oh, it's gonna be different you know like it's gonna yeah. be hard for him and he's just like shone you know his whole way through and hasn't let it like because i i mean i know for me like i couldn't hack it there because of like how it was going to change me as a person to be able to perform there and he's been able to do it which like it's just really really cool and i think like like the best story in cycling in, in a long time you know oh, yeah. like yeah. At, at a high level you yeah, know yeah, i think yeah. it's, it's really cool yeah and knowing him pretty well i i'm so proud of him and so <laughs> happy for him but I almost feel bad for him. Right. Obviously, I've never been in that position, but you just see the media scrums. Right. And you see the sheer amount of attention, and it really, I mean, it's got to be so hard. And, and there was a little, you could just barely hear, but he was hugging Noemi after the stage today, and his mom, Sabina, was there. And she said something like, what do you think of all this? And he was like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Which like, it's amazing that he like, it feeling like that dealing yeah. with all that, he put Says it all so together, yeah, you know, totally. um, especially when like, you know, I, I only caught a few stages cause I was like, it was one day I was riding and someone was like, how about Sep? And I was like, what about Sep? <laughs> you know, like he's leading the Vuelta. And I was like, no way. <laughs> anyway, I saw like the last bit and when like 
his own teammates were like kind of doing the dirty on him yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um it was like it would be so easy like already thinking like oh this is too hard to just like fold it and be like yeah fuck it like I, it's not for me it's for yeah, them yeah. um but he like dug in you know Dude. he's just like earned it which i thought was so sick. so sick i don't know if you've watched it but if you haven't go back and watch that unglorious stage you haven't seen it yet yeah with like i mean you've been there so you you'll have that trained eye but knowing that they as a team agreed to just race through that stage and whoever was leading would be protected the yeah. rest of the time and to see him get unhitched by those two guys right best gc dudes in the last decade yeah and like mentally all of the shit off the race course that had been going on in the media that moment of just like being ridden off the wheel by the two best and just somehow digging in like yeah. in the fog yeah. 20 percent grade and losing less than 20 seconds dude insane unreal yeah unreal yeah so cool so anyway. yeah that's offset all right thanks dude i really appreciate that no, that was fun of course. Yeah, way sweet. to hang in there today yeah. <laughs> hello again everyone thank you so much for listening today i can't believe i didn't do this at the top of the show but shout out sep coos uh yes we've got about 1,000 requests to get him back on the episode this is definitely going to be one of those things where I wait in the wings and uh, give him the breathing room that I have to assume he needs. I, I don't know how much breathing room he'll need uh, post-Vuelta. Uh, decompression time, time with family, time to fulfill all of the other media obligations he has. I have to imagine it is incredibly monumental. Um I'm certainly wanting to stay a friend to Sep first and an interviewer second. Anyway, thank you so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Lachlan. Um, I want to say a big, big thank you to Off-Piste Provisions for supporting today's episode. They're a New Zealand-based brand on a journey to create a thriving planet for all. They make awesome vegan plant-based jerky, 22 grams of protein per packet, help you to recover so you can smash your goals tomorrow they have an awesome very authentic feel as you eat this great uh snack i grew up on central texas beef jerky and i was really surprised at how well they did making a facsimile of what it's like to eat authentic jerky uh it's gluten-free soy-free vegan friendly has 45 percent protein awesome source of iron and three great flavors, original, sweet and hot, and teriyaki. And you listeners can get an awesome 30% discount code. Just 30 adventure, all caps, 30 adventure at checkout. Uh, that's at off-piste provisions. Off-piste is O-F-F-P-I-S-T-E provisions. Or you can just use the Amazon link uh, linked below in the show notes. Big thanks to them for supporting today's episode. Lastly, big thank you to Lily McKelvin for editing and producing the show and also running our Instagram. Uh, we've been doing some fun giveaways there. We do weekly trivia now, quizzes, three trivia questions in our uh, Instagram stories per week, uh, two about the previous week's episode, and then one that could be about any episode in the recent-ish past. If you get all three right, you're entered to win a pair of uh, Stash House Productions socks from Sock Guy. They're purple. They're fun. Thanks to everyone that's been playing. It's been a great turnout so far. Uh, that's all I got. Catch you next week for the Schwamigan recap episode. Be sure, last thing, be sure to send in your um, 45 to 60 second sound bites if you participated in Schwamigan. Uh, please email them to theadventurestash at paceandmcelvin.com. Just 45 to 60 seconds recorded on your phone. If you have an iPhone, it's just voice memos. I assume there's some sort of Android equivalent. And we'll include them in the opening segment of that recap episode. Just tell us your name, where you're from, and something about your day out in the north woods of Schwamigan. Thanks. Talk to you next week.